Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is Gary on Guns. And uh, let's uh, let's just start this off with uh, Dale Roberts, uh, MoGunLaw.com. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm locked and loaded. There you go. He's loaded. There's nothing like having a guest on the program who starts <laughs> the morning off loaded. Uh, but he is not alone, ladies and gentlemen. Well, at least it doesn't seem like it. Uh, here is a guy who was uh, named uh, after a waiter that his parents uh, met before he was born. Garcon is on the program from Graphs. Good morning, sir. He's thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. Garcon. <laughs> see, see, waiter, Garson. Garcon. He's introducing somebody else. He's, under, he's not introducing me. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, God. It's so going to be a difficult day. There, there, there's apparently a third person calling in. Well, this is such, right, a, such a challenge. All right, Carson. <laughs> uh, from Graphs uh, in Mexico, Missouri. Um, there's a story about uh, one Michael Santucci. Either one of you guys ever hear of Mr. Santucci? Not yet. Not I, know, yet. I know of Stanley Tukey. Well, that's his cousin. Oh, okay. It's old man Santucci's kid. He's in the United States Navy. And he is stationed in Hawaii. Wow. Lucky dog. Yeah. But he's not from Hawaii, and he's a little homesick. So he um, went and got some counseling because of his homesickness. He's not mentally ill or anything like that. He's just misses his family. And it's not like, you know, if you're stateside, you can get from one end of the country to the other on an aircraft in three hours. Uh, it's a lot longer from Hawaii. So he, he got some counseling. Then while in Hawaii, that's where he was stationed, as I pointed out, he decided he wanted to purchase a handgun. But they wouldn't sell him a handgun because he was homesick. He said he was denied a gun <laughs> permit because he once saw a therapist and said he was depressed over feeling homesick. He was never diagnosed with any behavioral problems or mental problems or any emotional disorder but the state of Hawaii decided that was all it took wow that I don't know about you but you know if if they if my first question is how did they know that he got counseling for being homesick isn't aren't our medical records supposed to be protected well, and that's that was my first thought that if so, I guess my question is, did he get counseling on base, you know, through the Navy or through a private clinic outside the Navy, you know, architecture? Um, because, the you know, the Navy should never have released that information outside their system. Um, and the sad thing is, you know, I'm a veteran. I'm judge advocate at American Legion Post here in town. I deal with veterans all the time. I run a will clinic at the VA hospital here. I, veterans are very cautious about, you know, seeking help from the VA for fear that the VA will throw out a red flag and say, oh, you're, there's something wrong. You can't have a gun. And for that reason, many veterans go outside the military or outside the VA to seek help from a private clinic, which maybe that's what he did. And that's how he got turned in. 
it sounds like he's between a rock and a hard place. It's hard to believe that being homesick um, would leave you in that position. He, by the way, has filed a lawsuit. Uh, he filed a lawsuit over the restrictive gun laws in Hawaii. He said that uh, he was uh, denied a permit after feeling depressed and homesick. Said he was denied it because he once saw a therapist and said he was depressed about feeling homesick. Uh, the lawsuit said he was never diagnosed with any behavioral, mental, or emotional disorders. The Navy approved of him buying guns, but the Honolulu Police Department said he needed written certification from a medical professional saying he is no longer affected. That's crazy. I, I, I really want to know how that information got into their hands. But I, I do know that military personnel, uh, active duty or retired, have been dealing with this uh, for about 12, 15 years oh, now. Long, longer than that, probably. But yeah. it's, it, it became a big issue after... Um, Obama? Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I remember dealing with a few people that, you know, had, had just gotten back from a deployment and were not able to buy a firearm, which was ridiculous because they just had access to one of the largest armories in the world. <laughs> so if the Navy does the... Uh, uh, the counseling, do they turn that information over to the state when they ask? They didn't used to. Well, let me back up. The standard should be is that the armed forces will, will report you, for lack of a better word, if you have given signs that you... You know, you, you have mental problems such that you should You're not have a gun. Danger to yourself or yeah. others. Yeah. yeah, danger to yourself or others. So if that happens, they should turn that in, or they're legally required to turn that information in so that it gets to the NICS program. Um, now, that's that's the standard. You know, it only happens that that's the way it's, that's the only way it's supposed to happen. Well, he, I think, must have admitted it. They must have some special form in the state of, of uh, Hawaii. Where they may be asked him if he had it, if he'd gotten any counseling for anything. Kind of like the old permit to acquire a concealable firearm here in Missouri. Oh, more than just the Nix form. Possibly. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's the only thing I can figure. Yeah, maybe maybe that was or I mean, I mean if, he, if he went to a private counselor, I mean, if he went off base because he was worried about what the military would say, went to a private counselor, and that counselor, being a Hawaii, you know, entity, reported him and said, wow. You know, this person shouldn't have a gun. Then we're off to the races. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, it's hard to tell. In any yeah. event, it clearly doesn't meet the standard of, of, you know, danger to himself or others. Yeah. If if uh, if homesickness does it, I can think of a lot of people who will never, ever be able to own a firearm. Um, there's a, uh, a gentleman on CNN who uh, seems to think Ooh, that... Well, I just checked a website here, Hawaii Police Department. Yeah. They require um, all firearms in Hawaii be registered, whether or not they were serviceable and no matter how they were acquired. <laughs> wow. That's scary. <sighs> you know, this could all change. Uh, well, not, that part might not. Um, and it looks like there's a permit per rifle or shotgun. You need a permit for a shotgun? Yep. Because quail hunting is a threat to society? What? I... I, I don't I don't understand how the left think. It actually oh, hurts is, to try and figure it out. Registration is not required for firearms designed to fire loose black powder 
and for firearms manufactured before 1899, but permits are required. For even those? Yep. Wow. Jeez. So, I, I guess Hawaii has secretly been worse than California? <laughs> so, so, uh, so much for moving to paradise. Yeah. Oh, Lord. All right, listen. We're up against the clock. When we come back, we'll hear from CNN uh, after a mass shooting in California. And uh, we'll actually point out, according to CNN, that you're responsible for those mass shootings in the country. Coming up on Gary and Gun. Good morning. Glad to have you with us. And uh, Garson is in from Graffs. And we have uh, Dale Roberts, uh, not only a firearms trainer, but, uh, well, law trainer, but an attorney. Uh, his website uh, is uh, mogunlaws.com. Is it mogunlaw? Singular. Yes. Yeah, singular. that's what I thought. Because he only covers one law. The rest <laughs> right. of them, he doesn't care about. Don't know nothing about it. Don't know nothing about it. <laughs> okay. Don't know nothing about birth and no babies. Okay. So, um, apparently, uh, with this uh, shooting that uh, took place in California that's been in the news, uh, CNN has decided they know what it takes to get things done, to stop these kinds of shootings. And believe it or not... The listeners of this program, along with the two gentlemen in the studio with me, they are responsible. Uh, but really, to make a dent in this issue, you've got to have legislation. So he's called on yesterday or over the weekend a ban on ghost guns, uh, requiring background checks for all uh, purchases, uh, doing something about high-capacity magazines, banning assault weapons, making gun manufacturers liable for lawsuits, which would be a way uh, for uh, people to uh, uh, extract money and perhaps change the behavior of the gun industry. Uh, but there simply is not the support. Democrats, of course, as you know, only have 50 votes in the Senate. It takes 60 to move on gun legislation. Um, and you, we have a political system that, through the Senate, magnifies the political uh, impact of rural areas that do not share the Democrats' belief that uh, gun regulation is a significant uh, uh, step toward curbing gun violence. So, Wait a minute. We've got a lot of... A lot of rural listeners to the program. Are they responsible for all this, Carson? I, I guess so. CNN just told me so. Yeah, and you you got to believe CNN when they talk. <laughs> so um, let's go over that California shooting a little bit. First off, apparently this guy had a, a full auto uh, firearm, <coughs> which is rare. Um, they, they almost never they're almost never used in crimes. But I'm curious, can are there a lot of pistols, Garson, that could be converted to full auto? Um, easily, no. Um, the only one that I can think of that has made any huge um, news is that Glock um, switch that apparently has gotten out there somehow. So you can with a Glock, but most pistols you can't. Yeah, and in fact, most pistols, um, yeah, there, there's no reasonable way to do it. Um, there's a few pistols that were designed that way. The Beretta 93R, um, the HK VP70. Um, I believe there was a CZ75 that was available in full auto with a stock. But, I mean, out of the thousands of handguns in existence, it's only those few models, and they're exceedingly rare. And I thought if you, and you're the technical guy, if you, uh, you know, 
for lack of a better term, ground down the seer. You know, you could go in and and cause a you know a single action gun to go into select fire. But as I was telling Gary on his national show a couple of days ago, even if you do, you know, ten round magazine, thirty round magazine, and a pistol, boom, you're you're, you're empty, and, 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 the, quick, yeah. and, and the accuracy is is non-existent. I mean, it's just meaningless. It's they're fun to shoot, but they're well. I mean, if you're just if your goal is carnage, the accuracy is not meaningless at that point. Well, in a crowd, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. But still, anyway. Um, did anybody who's followed the story see what type firearm was used? I had never heard it mentioned in any of the reports I'd heard. Neither had I. No, usually if it's an AR-15 or an AK-47, they come <laughs> right out and scream. Interesting. You know. Yes. But they're not saying anything. Uh, so I don't know. But some of the other uh, uh, some of the other uh, 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 ideas that uh, CNN has for uh, stopping mass shootings or shootings and gun violence. Period. I uh, would be limiting magazine sizes, banning AR-15s. It's the same old tripe we hear over and over and over again. And I don't know where this guy didn't violate every gun law in the state of California to begin with, and it didn't stop him. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to have a full auto, so he violated both federal and state laws there. Uh, he may have had a, a large magazine, probably did, which would be violating uh, state laws in California, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because they have, they have a 10-round magazine capacity ban still. And because he was a criminal in possession of a handgun, he violated that law. So what would have stopped this guy? Well, obviously, if you required... A good guy with a gun, that's what would have stopped him. Or, or yeah, if you required a background check on, on, gun, on all gun sales, I'm sure that would have stopped him. Yeah, because they... CNN, yeah. yeah. Well, well, we know he's a, we know he's he didn't felon, go get a Nix so check. He didn't get a background check. Well, but see, if there were a law to require it, that would have fixed it. I mean, CNN said so. I'm, I'm tracking now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure I'm sure drug dealers and other murderous uh, individuals follow are, the laws uh, as gonna, prescribed yeah. by CNN. Yeah, if I'm going to break federal law and state law uh, and uh, and well, shoot somebody, I'm going to get my gun legally. Maybe they learned their lesson from Al Capone. It could be. It could I'm, I'm going to break these laws, but I'm going to follow the rest so I don't go to jail on a technicality. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> none of those suggestions would really do the trick. But he, I, I guess this guy isn't of a ethnic, ethnic minority, so they can say that he's guilty and not, you know, just release him on his own recognizance. Well, I think that was the real solution. He was already in trouble for for a violent crime. Beautiful. So he probably shouldn't have been out on the street beautiful uh so my guess is uh you know we have found the enemy and it is us if the state is looking for someone to blame it probably ought to be the state because they they turned this guy loose hands down but we always hear it's all every huh? politician in california yeah it's charged them with this murder these murders well this was hawaii or yeah they, you're right this was california i'm sorry so uh, same I difference got, <laughs> i got my two stories uh confused here but it's it's the same old tripe we hear it every time there's a shooting. Uh, we're constantly blaming the the tool instead of the person handling the tool. So I, I don't see where this will ever end. I I I, I don't see where there's going to be a point where somebody wakes up and goes, you know, all these gun laws are just exacerbating the problem by disarming innocent people and making it harder for them to defend themselves. 
Uh, I don't, they're just never going to wake up. Speaking of never waking up, um, boy, that sounded uh, much worse than I intended it to. Uh, David Hogg is back in the news. He is suggesting that you get your manhood from having a gun. Yeah, buying a gun does not make you a man. It makes you a consumer, a cog in the system, one of millions having their insecurities weaponized for profit. You are being manipulated by marketing agencies because you are weak. Masculinity can't be purchased. You know who agrees with him? My grandma when her mustache grew in? My wife. <laughs> Buying a gun did not make her a man. I, I was going to say, on one point, he is correct. Yes. It's <laughs> so rare so rare for people on the left uh, to make a point and be correct. But he's trying to shame gun owners uh, and, and trying to paint this picture that people who own firearms are somehow not manly, but they're trying to make themselves manly by buying guns, which, of course, uh, again, uh, my wife would beg to differ. I, I really find it disturbing that people attach their self-worth to physical objects in their possession. Well, he's actually doing it. Yeah, that's he, that's just dumb. He's suggesting you getting your self-worth uh, because you own a gun. It's insultingly stupid, to tell you the truth. And, you know, this guy is making a career out of this. Where would he be if he weren't this rabidly ignorant anti-gunner? He'd, he'd be living Making in obscurity. Making sandwiches at a subway? Yeah. Would you like fries with that? I don't know. He's He would be obscure. But he stands out there acting as though he knows what he's talking about, giving misleading information, insulting gun owners, and probably making a ton of money. I'm sure he's getting support from anti-gun people everywhere. Uh, it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, all right. Uh, we're coming up here uh, pretty soon on a uh, on a news break, but when we uh, when we come back, we have a whole host of other stories that we need to get to, uh, including uh, gun owners in Illinois wasting their time, and uh, Biden is going to nominate another anti-gunner to the BATF. All coming up. On Gary on Gun. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Garson is in from Graphs and. Uh, Coming up in about thirty minutes, uh, we're gonna we're gonna cover uh, uh, several. Uh, well, it's show and tell time. I, th I think that's what we uh, that's what we've nicknamed it. Uh, we'll do that shortly. In the meantime, uh, Garson is with us, and uh, also Dale Roberts. Ordinarily, we would have uh, uh, State Representative Chuck Basie on board with us this morning, but uh, Chuck has uh, another obligation. He had to go down to Springfield or something, and. Well, we just, we don't have him. He was asked to speak to a women's group, and he chose a group of women over us. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, that, that makes uh, sense. I Sorry. actually have more, I have more respect for him now than I <laughs> did before. Uh, anyway, um, apparently, according to uh, Gun Owners of America, there is a, uh, a guy named Steve Dettelbach. A former federal attorney for the Northern District of Ohio, and he's being considered by the White House to head up BATF. Uh, and he's not just, according to uh, a gun owners, a former federal attorney. In 2018, he uh, he ran for public office. He lost, promising a host of new gun control initiatives, 
including an assault weapons ban, universal background registration checks, gun confiscation for misdemeanor crimes, gun confiscation for those dealing with mental health issues, closing the over-the-internet gun show loopholes, and disarming teachers and keeping schools, uh, I guess, essentially soft target. In fact, uh, he used his position as U.S. attorney to advocate for gun control for years, publishing op-eds like requiring universal background checks makes sense. So we go through, uh, Garson, the same list that we always go through with the anti-gunners, assault weapons ban, universal background checks, uh, but gun confiscation for misdemeanor crimes? Yeah, that's new and exceedingly scary. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Uh, uh, let, me, uh, let me ask the guy who went to lawyer school. <laughs> uh, if I get a speeding ticket, is that a misdemeanor? No, that's an infraction. That's just an infraction. Okay. But if I shoplift a stick of gum, that could be a misdemeanor. That certainly could be, yes. Okay, so that would be uh, reason to take bear that in mind if this guy gets in. Yeah. Um, closing the the uh, internet loophole. Yeah, I didn't know there was one. I didn't know that either, Garson. You never you never shared this. Uh, so would you please tell me about the uh, internet loophole? Explain it if you could. Well, the, the Internet loophole they're talking about isn't a loophole because um, any gun you buy from a reputable firearms retailer will force you to receive that gun at an FFL in your state. Um, there's no way around that. Now, you know, I'm sure if you find your way into the dark web, you can buy all kinds of things illegally. Um, and the, the word there being illegally, yeah. it's already illegal to... Ship a gun, you know, interstate commerce under certain circumstances and or to to send a gun directly to someone without it going through an FFL and having the background check. Unless it's so, coming from a manufacturer back to its owner. Well, sure, yeah. yeah. When I, when so there's exceptions the, to that. Yeah. If you and CM, CMP used to send your guns directly to you. I haven't got a gun from CMP in a, a number of years. But that was the government, a government-sponsored program, shipping guns directly yeah. to... Individual individuals throughout the country. Well, if the governor, government does it. So they're exempt from their own rules like yeah. everything else. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about the gun show loophole? You haven't shared any information on that lately. Yeah, same deal. If, if you're buying from a real dealer, you're doing paperwork. Um, now, there's also private parties at gun shows. And if you make a deal with a private party, there's no regulation for a private individual to have an FFL to transfer guns that they sell out of their own personal um, collection. Well, let's play out. Let's play it out. What would the pathologies be? Suppose they pass a law that says if you go to a gun show, you can't get a firearm unless you get a, a NICS check. Uh, so if I'm walking down the aisle and I see Garson and he's got an AR that I like and he's got a little tag on it that says it's for sale and we want to make a deal, um, a couple of things could happen. One, Garson can say, well, let's go over to this gun firearms dealer over here and get a NICS check. Okay, that's, you know, that's worth the four or five bucks uh, or whatever they charge. I, I would say most places are going to want 20 or 30 just like they would for a, a transfer from um, another dealer or or online retailer. But even at, at that, uh, law-abiding citizens would probably do that. 
Um, but somebody else might say, Garson might say, well, listen, I, I can't sell this to you here, but there's a field across the street over there. Once we're off this property, well, you know, we can sell it. Exactly. And really, the, the only way to, sh to attempt to close what they perceive to be the gun show loophole is to require universal background checks. Every gun sale from every person under every circumstance. Well, not only that, but they'd have to have a registration of every firearm as well. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, people are still going to... But they've, oh already, they've already made inroads to it because they've already added private party transfer as one of the checkboxes on, on the 4473 form. So, so they're they're making baby steps to implement something along these lines. Well, what's what's interesting here is that Garson could turn out to be a bad guy. Yeah, I could you know innocently go okay. Well, I'll meet you across the way. Uh, then he could use the gun to take my money and leave me dead in the field somewhere. I mean, you're actually making it more dangerous. Yeah, or or you just bought some murderers weapon and now when you get caught with it you're going to be you know on the hook for a murder i, I don't uh, well that could happen uh, right now that could happen right now i could yeah, you could most, be trying most, to most guns like that don't make it back into legal circulation they they pawn around with other criminals yeah but my my point is that that isn't a pathology that would necessarily develop if they managed to pass this well, gun uh, fair enough Gun show loophole nonsense. So that doesn't exist. Uh, and then this guy who uh, Biden wants to uh, make head of the uh, uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives is arguing he wants to disarm teachers in some states, including Missouri, if a school board uh, approves, teachers uh, can carry a firearm. Uh, they they uh, generally would have to have uh, a little extra training. But in this guy's case, he's absolutely opposed to it. So he apparently thinks that teachers are a great threat to their students. So well, I guess I could agree with that. Well, and the interesting thing... <laughs> Not that way, Garson. Oh. Yeah, the interesting oh. thing there, little known fact, in the state of Missouri, if you have a five-year concealed carry permit... You can lawfully carry in a school, period. And that applies to teachers. Now, if a teacher does it and the policy is not to, they can be fired or disciplined or whatever, but it's not a crime. So his policy would make it so that even though federal law, the Gun Free School Zone Act, says that you can carry in a school with a Missouri permit if you're a not a teacher, if you are a teacher, you can't. So the teacher should have, in his opinion, fewer rights than the rest of us. If you follow me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, apparently he is, uh, he's being the one considered by Biden to head up BATF. It, it, it just, you know, uh, you, there is no reason for BATF to even exist. And I thought Chipman was a bad choice. Yeah, this guy is apparently right, you know, cut from the same mold. But there's no reason for them to exist. No. I, I don't know where in the Constitution that's called for. And I don't care who's in the White House. Somebody is either going to be, you know, anti-gun or pro-gun regulation. Well, we did have something similar here in Columbia. Explain. 
We had liquor, guns, and ammo. Oh, the store on the business loop. Yeah, a great place. Liquor, guns, and ammo. That's a perfect combination. Yeah. They've been yeah. out of business for a while now, but they were here all the years I was growing up. You drive by the store with the big yellow sign, liquor, guns, and ammo. Oh, a friend, the, a friend of mine even loop? makes jewelry with the old logo, a yellow pennant that just says liquor, guns, and ammo. I think their sign is in a local pizza place here now. Yeah. <sighs> but now, and on this issue, and I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but that's never stopped me before. <laughs> um, I think the president, whomever he may be or she, uh, has the right to appoint, name, whomever they want. And then it's up to the Senate to confirm or not that person. And that process should remind us that elections have consequences. And the person we put in the White House, we should think seriously about who we're putting there, as well as the, you know, the, the security check, the balance that we get from the Senate. So that if we have a president who's trying to appoint people who shouldn't be appointed... We have the fallback of senators who will stop that from happening. Well, yeah, the Senate has advice and consent, but it is for an organization that really ought not exist. Uh, there's no, no constitutional call for them. Um, and frankly, because they're changing their minds almost on a daily basis, hand brace yes, hand brace no, butt stock yes, or bump stock yes, bump stock no. Uh, I mean, they're 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 constantly. Uh, what's the latest one? It's that trigger that uh, forces your finger out, uh, so that you reset trigger force yeah. reset. Yeah, now that's the latest, and they're constantly changing things around, um, it, 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 and they redefine at will. They're just a useless organization, and I don't know where they've done much to protect us. I I I, I really don't. Anyway, all right, listen, we are up against the clock. Got to take a quick break. You're listening to Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Garson is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri, uh, the reloading authority. Hola. I'm sorry? Hola. Hola. Yes. The multilingual version of Gary on Guns. Well, uh, it's Mexico, Missouri, so. Oh. Yeah, the multilingual uh, version. Uh getting tough to do the show, folks. We have to reach uh, for it. Yeah, you got to really reach for it. Uh, and then uh, we've we've got uh, Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. Uh, by the way, we've got a, a, a another bogus story on, uh, on guns about road rage. I don't know if you guys read this or not, uh, but uh, the, uh, the anti-gun group funded by the former mayor of New York, Every Town for Gun Safety, said in a report that uh, there's this increase in road rage incidents. It was up last year. Uh, curiously, uh, they, they, they compare the numbers uh, and the years in odd ways. In all, 131 people were killed, 391 wounded by gunfire for a total of 522 road rage casualties in, uh, in 2021. Are those numbers exclusive? I mean, if you're... Sorry. Well, th they go on to say that that represents a significant jump from 73 dead and 166 wounded in 2016. Well, that's odd. Why are they comparing 2016? Um, 
a spike that uh, uh, the uh, report's authors suspect was linked to stresses caused by the coronavirus pandemic. The number of shootings for 2021 works out to one person shot in a road rage confrontation every 17 hours, more than twice the rate of one person every 37 hours in 2016. Why 2016? Why go that far back rather than literally any point between then and 2021? Even 2019, which was pre-pandemic, would make more sense. And so, Gary, as you were saying that, you may notice I brought up the article on every town research policy, which have saved under fiction sites. Um, <laughs> and it says in 2021, and this is a quote, in 2021, an average of 44 people shot per month, excuse me, were shot and killed or wounded. At so it's like, well, if you're, can they not separate the numbers about how many people were shot versus how many people were wounded? I'm not sure why they merge those together. It makes the number bigger. And, and But yes, and then, so yeah, and, and then it goes on to say double the pre-pandemic age, uh, average. And as you said, pre-pandemic would could be 2019. Why are you dropping all the way back to 2016? 1903, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2021 reportedly had 522 road rage casualties throughout the entire United States. Uh, that's a, a country of 330 million people, pretty much all of which were on the road multiple times throughout the year. 522 people being injured or killed throughout the year doesn't even count as a statistical as statistical noise, uh, according to Bearing Arms. See, this is what uh, what the author means. He uh, needing context for numbers. Uh, to most of us, 522 people sounds like a lot. If 522 people were shot or killed in road rage incidents in just one city, even one as large as, say, New York, we might have a reason to be concerned. But throughout the whole country, it's really not much of an issue statistically. Even if most of us can kind of understand getting furious at someone else's driving. Because contrary to what every town wants people to believe, most folks aren't homicidal maniacs in the making. Uh, we're not likely to shoot someone just because we're upset. We've got enough guns in this country to arm every man, woman, and child, and they can just uh, give us 522 casualties? Don't get me wrong. Uh, each one of those represents a, a death or an injury that is individually tragic. The problem is we don't create policies impacting hundreds of millions of people because of the outliers. Um, and the uh, the story, you can find it at uh, Bearing Arms by uh, Tom Knighton. And while they want those percentages to seem shocking, and these are, I'm sure, largely, or if not entirely, innocent people, victims, the, the numbers are 2016, there were 610 people, uh, in, or 610 allegedly road rage incidents with a gun. 2021, 728. So in five years, it increased by 118 incidents per year, which, you know, as you say, 118 incidents more in I don't know how many million drivers in America. Yeah, making millions of trips. The problem here is correlation versus causation. Uh, they would argue that uh, there is an increase in gun sales. Ergo, we have 
greater numbers of fatalities on the road or, or road rage incidents involving a firearm on the road. But there are other things to consider uh, that, that uh, they're not taking into consideration. Uh, they don't have any correlation uh, or any causation. So we'll, we'll kind of uh, kick that around. And then uh, a little segment of show and tell on Gary on Guns.